There we go. All right, Mark chapter 6, verse 30, uh, kind of uh, following up on the message we had started this morning. And uh, uh, culture or Christ, finding your way in a distracted environment. And as I had mentioned, you know, how do you determine which voices you are listening to? And what I mean by voices is not like you're hearing voices in the head, and I just kind of for a little bit of review of those who may not have been here this morning, uh, the source of the information that you're listening to that is dictating how you live your life. Here in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, uh, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. But there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And the question I had posed this morning is, how do you find rest? What is it in your life that drives your ambitions in life? You know, the, question, the answer to this question, it starts with the bidding of come. It is either the Lord that is bidding you to come, or something else will bid you, will give you the welcome of coming to them. And as we think about this, the disciples are exhausted. Jesus Christ has just had his cousin murdered by the government. And there are a lot of, in our world today, a lot of things that are beckoning us to listen to them. And I want to look at the outcome of listening to the wrong voices as well as listening to the godly voice. And, uh, and I'll, pick, I'll do a little bit of review with where I went over this morning. Uh, and then we'll pick up and, and we'll look at the rest of the message this evening. So let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessings on this. The principle uh, of this message, be careful of which voice you follow. Because the wrong voice followed results in the wrong direction in life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I desperately need your help tonight. Lord, I ask for your strength as I preach your holy word. And Father, I thank you for being an amazing Savior. God, I thank you for the work you did this morning and those you brought out. Lord, I just ask that the words that I speak, Lord, would be from you and penetrate hearts and give encouragement, give challenge, and give direction of how to live life. Father, I love you. Thank you for being my Savior. And I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together with other believers and sing the songs of worship to thy holy name. And so, Lord, we yield all that will go on this evening to you. I love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. The first voice that you will hear will come from the world, and it will say, follow your heart. This is not something we ought to do, but this is the voice of the world will say, follow your heart. One of the voices that, when I mean voices again, I just want to reiterate so you're not confusing what I'm saying, one of the inputs into our life, there's, you know, if you go onto a web page today, whether it's on your cell phone or on your computer, I mean, you have a ton of stuff going on. You have ads over here and they're rotating, little videos going on. I mean, there's just a tremendous amount of input. A lot of things are going on to try to gain my attention. And one of the things that is seeking to gain my attention as the world gives us uh, is, you know, friendship. There is a 
idea out there that if I have friends, you know, the friends might say, come with us for a good time. But as we looked at this morning, if they are not going with the Lord, then it will lead to certain heartache. Another voice out there that is trying to gain your attention, potentially your finances, uh, are women or men and sexual senses. This person completes me. They make me feel so good, and so on and so forth. But we do so in a way with an individual, as we looked at Proverbs chapter 7, to someone that lures us in, but only has a facade of religion. The third one you would look at is fear or intimidation is another thing. Uh, We had seen that through the pandemic, a lot of things, or uh, individuals where there was seemingly to keep people listening to me. I mean, people were glued to the news because they wanted to know what the current statistics were. They wanted to know what the current threat level was. I mean, wherever you're at, I mean, it was like people... Like that was like their main source of input was the news. I mean, they were glued to fear. But we understand that that is not healthy for us. Another thing that is we talked about, and this was the last thing I spoke about before concluding the message this morning, was justice. You've done me wrong, I'm going to get even. And it is that idea of justice that dominates my life. It dominates what I do with my time, how I spend my time. I'm going to get even with that person that did me wrong. And that is a voice that tries to pull us into its clutches and away from the rest of Christ. The other thing that can also gain so many people, and I'll pick, this is uh, the next point, is riches and power. And this voice might very well say, only a little more money. Only a little more power and I'll be happy. But do you want to understand something? That promotion to wealth and honor would happen in the Bible in Numbers chapter 22. There's a man named Balaam. And obviously we know Balaam's donkey. If, If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you would have heard of Balaam's donkey. The donkey talking to Balaam. And, uh, you know, that would be quite a sight. And uh, he starts smacking the donkey with a rod. And the donkey's like, what in the world are you doing, you know? And he kind of like, and uh, quite a comical scene, but nevertheless showing the foolishness. But Balaam was asked by Balak, a king, to curse the Israelite people. And he was tempted and lured in by riches and power. Numbers 22.6, Balak The king says, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot, means I know, that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou curses is cursed. Then in verse 17, when Balaam says, I can't go with you, God doesn't want me to go, verse 17, the king says, For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And then there's another time, uh, chapter 23, again, he prays and, uh, you know, he says, I'll, I'll give you a lot more stuff and a lot more uh, dignity in the land. And Balaam wants to do it. He wants to curse God's people. 
I mean, if he could have all of that prestige and all of that power, it's kind of like the voice in your workplace, hey, only a little bit more money, but you're neglecting the things of God. Only a little bit more and you'll be happy. I mean, you think about some of these billionaires today, you'd think, man, they've got enough that they could, you know, they definitely don't need any more money. And yet they're still desiring more. They're never satisfied. How about for Absalom? He was a man that was driven for power, which power also brought with it money. And in 2 Samuel chapter 14, he desires, there's treason that he's trying to do. He's coming against his own dad to take over the kingdom. Asa is another man. In 1 Kings 15, and there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel. Asa is the king of Judah. Baasha is the king of Israel. And uh, so he gives money to, he calls the enemy of God. And he says, this enemy of God, the Syrian, has a league, has a covenant with Baasha, king of Israel. And Asa says, I will give you money to break the covenant with Baasha if you come and help me to beat the Israelites. It's all about money. I'd like you to look with me in another passage of Scripture, in a passage of Scripture, Matthew 22. Turn with me here to Matthew 22. Again, riches and power. What happens in our life when the motivating force for my life is riches and power? This is what consumes me. This is what drives me. Is money bad? No. Money's not bad. We all need money, right? We all need to live. I mean, money is a, it's an exchange system of bartering. You know, you, you put a price on bartering, that item is worth X amount of dollars, and, you know, my hours at work are worth this, and so by the barter system, you know, rather than saying, I'll give you five chickens for, you know, whatever you've got to me, we've got currency that we use, and that's our bartering system to do commerce. But in Matthew chapter 22, verse 2, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth and sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. So Israel, in this kind of a <laughs> this scenario, this, this story that is told, the kingdom of heaven. But Israel, ultimately, it's ca- talking about the future marriage supper of the Lamb, but Israel is too busy making money to care about what happens in the future. They were totally enthralled and absorbed in the here and now. The only thing that matters is that I have more money in my bank account. How many people do you know that that is the driving force for their life is how much money is in their bank account? What have I got? What do I need to get to to get an extra dollar? What do I need? I mean, it really drives. It's a voice that is so loud 
But you know what? In that point, you know, I need more money so I can go on vacation. I need more money, right? And, and we just talk about this. But when you're on vacation, then you're thinking, oh, you know, and you get back from your vacation, you said, oh man, I spent so much money on vacation, I probably went over budget or whatever, and ah, <laughs> right? And you're still thinking of money. And then you think about the unjust but wise steward in Luke 16. Here's another voice that's in our world today of the world's feelings. Follow your heart. Follow your heart to being feeling-oriented or into perversion. It just feels right. You think about Lot there in Genesis chapter 19. The men of Sodom surrounded his house and wanted him to send these men out unto them that they would know them in perversion. And Lot had become so debased in his thinking that he was willing to give these men outside his home, these men that are so immoral, he was willing to give them his two virgin daughters to do with as they pleased. Disgusting. Because Lot was a man that had lived for the here and now. And then, uh, upon this whole idea of feeling-oriented, his daughters, after they fled Sodom and Gomorrah, after it was destroyed, his own daughters got their own dad drunk so they could have immorality with their dad and have children with him. Gross. Because they were so absorbed, we don't know, ah, life's over, we're going to do it. You know, it's all about their emotions. You would have the same story about the Benjamites. They would surround a house and want the, the, the man of the house to send out a man to them. He would end up sending out his concubine that they would kill and violate in horrible ways. Amnon was a man that he was so feeling-oriented into perversion, allowing his mind, he, he lusted over his half-sister. So much so that in 2 Samuel 13, uh, and that it talks about that he was like even driven to sickness, he lusted after her so much. Then he had a very squirrely friend that told him to lay himself down and play in sickness and then ask his dad if Tamar, his half-sister, could come unto him and give him food having all the other servants put out of the room. And at that point, he would rape her. It was an awful thing. Not caring about Tamar. She even said, please, don't do this. And yet he forced her. But what happened was, it says, the love with which he he hated her more than the love that he had for her previously. Because he was driven by the voice of being feeling-oriented. I just need it. Someone like for a one-night stand. Or how about another voice out there in the world? We spoke about this a little bit this morning. Entertainment. It's my me time. Nothing inherently wrong with entertainment, but it can very well be a voice that drives all that I do. 
In Matthew 11, verse 16, Whereunto shall I liken this generation as likened to children sitting in the markets and calling to their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and ye, they say he hath the devil. So as people, they says they piped and they danced, and, and it's music and movies and shows and stuff. It, that's the driving force. Have you seen the latest movie? Have you seen, I mean, you're just like, I got to know the latest one. I got to know the latest news and all this stuff. And that's the voice that's driving you. But you know what? Even as you may watch a film, you still don't get the kind of rest that you can when you ultimately come into the presence of God. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. All of these voices of the world Sure, they may provide a momentary. I'm not saying, uh, you know, in regards to entertainment, it's necessarily inherently or intrinsically wrong. It can be very educational as well, but in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, if we listen to really these voices in our life, these sources of uh, seeking our attention, Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, it tells us the outcome of all of these voices. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. You can very well easily be enslaved. The entertainment can also, you know, just get beyond just television or something like that. It can get to your cell phone. I remember watching a show or seeing this documentary on these some people in Japan that were so addicted to their phones, they took them to a camp to get them away from the addiction to their, their phones and their games, and they went through like some serious withdrawals as they went to this camp, wilderness camp, where there was like no reception, no games, no electronics. They just simply were out in the woods, you know, just making it, you know. To get away, to break the cycle of being addicted to an electronic device. And it's easy. I, I, it's very easy. It's something that I have to watch cautiously in my life. But I can put myself into bondage. But there's another voice out there of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 8.32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The thing is, Jesus says, come apart and rest. You can find truth. You can find a real rest to your mind. And so here in Mark 6.31, in the passage of Scripture, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. The question I want to ask you this evening is, do you want to follow the friend's advice for rest and relaxation? A friend that stands in contrast with God's Word? Do you want to follow a cute young lady around with her enticing speech to find some harmony from the business life? What about getting even or intimidating someone whom you have a grudge against? How are you going to settle your soul and truly find the peace and the blessings God promises in the life? Jesus is saying to His disciples, I know you're tired. You've been working, you've been doing ministry, you've been, you know, out there, you've had people dislike you. Uh, even, if, you know, as you work in the public sector, you have people that just plain flat out don't like you. They may treat you like trash. And you're like, what a jerk. Uh, you know, you're just thinking all these things like, man, that person's awful. And you think all sorts of things that may come through your mind. Maybe you don't, but I have. 
And we all want to follow someone who has our best interests at stake. If you have someone that you love and care for and you know cares about you, wouldn't you want to follow them? Wouldn't you want them to let, lead your life? In Psalm 33, 21, For our heart shall rejoice in Him because we have trust in His holy name. My heart shall rejoice in Him. You know what? If I know God, I'm going to want to follow Him. The problem is, in following all these other voices, is I sometimes know those voices better than I know God and know God's voice. So the real question that we need to ask, you know, is why should I come? What will Jesus give me that the above scenarios, the above voices will not? And let me give you some reasons why you should follow. Number one, you should follow his voice. You should come to him for his very presence. Because I simply want him. Psalm 34, 11, Come ye children, hearken unto me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Why do I want? I just want to be in his presence. As a young child, my dad might have been downstairs uh, in the workshop in the basement of our house, and I would be in there and I would be asking him a lot of questions. But I just wanted to spend time with him. Grandpa, Grandpa would have been outside in his garage doing some woodworking, and I just wanted to be around him, learning. I want you to notice with me something here in Matthew chapter 11. It was something that really, uh, as, uh, <laughs> some t- not too long ago, I was struggling on some things and quite discouraged. And, and God just worked in my heart and really encouraged me in this passage of Scripture. In verse 28 of Matthew chapter 11, the refreshment of Christ. I hadn't seen it, and you're like, how could you not have seen it, Pastor? I don't know. I've seen it, read it multiple hundreds of times, but it was something that God just really brought to light that really uh, encouraged my heart. So in verse 28, Jesus gives a bidding of come unto me. Again, we're coming for his presence. But do you know who he's calling? Who does he call unto himself? Look at, look at who he's calling, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. So if you're working, and you're working for the Lord, and you're under great stress, and you're burdened, he says, you're the one I want to come. You're the one I want to give you rest. Jesus is calling for his presence. It is not based on any age or gender. Because in Mark chapter 10, verse 14, when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I don't care if they're a child or I don't care if you're older. I remember as a young boy, young, I was probably, I don't know, six, seven years old, I remember kneeling at the, my bedside. And I was fervently praying for my family. There were some things going on, some turmoil in the family. And, and I was just praying as a little boy. You know what God comforted my heart as a little boy as I was kneeling there praying at my bedside? I just want Him. I just want His presence. 
Another reason why you should come is number two, for his calling. I'd like you to look with me at Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. For his calling. What is this? Simply put, if you want to summarize it, that he gives me value and purpose. Entertainment says, sure, I want your time and attention. Give me your money. The sexual senses will say, sure, come and give me of yourself. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you value and purpose. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 4, Moses there on the backside of the desert, he killed a guy. Forty years later, he's found at 80 years of age, he's found as a shepherd on the backside of the desert, shepherding some sheep. I'm sure he's not too clean. And yet here in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said to Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. God was calling him apart. If you read on this passage of Scripture. In Isaiah 41, 48, 16, Come ye near unto me, hear ye this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it was, there am I. And now the Lord God and His Spirit hath sent me. God's calling is plain and clear as Isaiah testifies. Because I want to just come to Him. I want His presence first. I just simply want Him. And when I come to Him for His calling, second voice of this, you know, this, uh, the reason for coming is I get my value and my purpose from Him. In Matthew 4, 19, He saith unto them, follow, or come behind. That word follow there is also the same Greek word as come. Uh, come behind me and I will make you fishers of men. He's got our purpose. Do you know your purpose in God? The third thing in coming, why should I come to Him, is I come to Him for His honor. I love Him more than anything or anyone else. In 1 Kings 18.30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto Him, and He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah's saying, listen, you have the wrong priorities. You've put it upon idols. You can, what is, you know, if you, if you pursue into riches or power, you've got to push harder and push harder and push harder. You've got to have cutthroat. You've got to be watching your back for someone else to come behind you and get an advantage in a job ahead of you, to get an advantage in their, in their money ahead of you, and then you're going to have envy. Oh no, they got more money than me. Oh no, I made a bad decision. I just lost X amount of dollars. I mean, you're constantly, where's the rest there? But in Jesus, when I come for His presence, I come for my, His calling, I come for His honor. I also come for His justice. As I mentioned before, you may hear the voice of justice. I'm going to get even with them. And that man, that woman, I'm going to get even with them. But we understand that God is the judge. You can see God's judgment potentially multiple times throughout the Scriptures. That God will revenge. 
Romans 12 discusses. You know why also I come to Him? Why also would He say, come ye yourselves apart? Because not only do I get time with Him, but I also get time with His saints. I get time with Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. When I come to the Lord, I get the blessings of true friends. He gives, he gives me true friends. In 1 Corinthians 16.11, Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Paul is saying, listen, Timothy is a dear brother. He's a dear friend. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Well, turn with me here. I'll show you this. The Apostle Paul has to deal with. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 9, 2 Timothy 4, 9. The Apostle Paul, he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Verse 10 of 2 Timothy 4. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed into Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Come to me quickly. I need a true friend. Demas loved the world and he forsook me. And maybe you've had friends that have forsaken you for other things. But you know what? God will give you true friends. He'll give you saints that love God. When I say a saint, it's a Christian. All Christians are saints before the Lord, as Scripture attests. But when I come to him, as the disciples would come to Jesus, yes, you had a Judas in the midst. We understand that, right? But I can get some real fellowship with some good friends. Another thing, and the last point of this, of why should I come to God to show my devotion? Simply put, He is my ambition in life. God would say this to Moses in Exodus 24, 12, and the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and the commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. And then Moses goes up to the mountain. God tells him the people down below have gone into paganism. Moses comes down. He obviously threw the the Ten Commandments down. But he said, who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Am I going to continue to pursue all of these other previous voices that I had mentioned? All these other sources that are seeking for my attention? These attention seekers? Or am I going to show and prove by my time and prove by my ambitions that the Lord is the one that I'm seeking? We live, as I said, Christ or culture. Finding your way in a distracted environment, we can be distracted. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 3, a portion of that verse, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. Moses saying to Aaron about what the Lord had spoken unto them. You know, in Matthew 14, 28, Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. God, call me unto yourself. I want to show you how ambitious I am for you. Because I just want you. Look with me at Matthew 16, 24. 
Why should I come? Because it shows of my affection. Matthew 14, 28. Look with me at this. It's really easy to get sidelined, get distracted, uh, to get put into unrest. At least it is for me. Maybe not for you, but for me, it's an easy position that I can get out of that place of rest. In Matthew 14, verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me, come on thee in the water. And then in Matthew 16, 24, that's the verse I meant to say, but verse 24 of Matthew 16, Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I'm, I'm coming after him. I'm showing my ambition. And it shows the choice of your affection. Look with me at the last verse before we come to the conclusion tonight. Matthew 22, verse 4. Again, the king, the kingdom of heaven, the king and his son and the marriage. Again, verse 4, Matthew 22, Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. It's a special invitation. And so as Jesus is here in Mark, asking them, Come ye yourselves apart. He's giving them a special invitation. Why should they come? Because they're ultimately... They're showing their devotion and their admiration. So the question this evening in conclusion is, what is the result of not listening to the voice of this world to come and relax according to one of its sources? What is the result of listening to the Lord's voice? What happens when I turn my back on a sensual, lustful, or self-indulgent biddings for rest and instead choose the Lord's rest? Let me give you a little bit of uh, comparison co- or contrast here. In respect of the world, friendship. Come with us for a good time. Many times about a party or such. But in God's thing, He says, come for my presence. I, I just simply want you. There might be a women or men in sexual senses or desires for a relationship. You know, this person completes me. They give me value. They give me satisfaction. But according to God, when I come to Him, He gives me my value and my purpose. Another thing might be fear or intimidation. You must listen to me or else, as the world says. But in Him, He gives me... Why should I come to Him? For His honor, because I love Him more than anything or anyone else. And so I don't fear. Because I know who he is. Justice, I'll get even, is a dominating factor of attention seeking in our lives. And, but if I understand his justice, that he is my true judge, I lay the problem at his feet. Let him deal with the situation. Let him deal with the person. The world might also say, <clears throat> uh, saints' fellowship or excuse me, the justice, I'll get even. And then it says perversion or feelings. Or, oh, it just feels right. 
but in my fellowship with the Lord, He gives me true friends. It's not feeling-oriented, it's true friendship. Entertainment, it's the me time. I, I did skip the riches and power but in this, but you think that only a little bit more and I'll be happy, but understanding that God gives me my value. You know what? You cannot improve on God's economy. You can't improve on God's calling. You can't improve on God's rest. Isaiah 55.3 says, Incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. I want to ask you, when have you ever come apart and just spent time with God just to spend time with Him? You just take your Bible, maybe some music, some Christian music, and you just pray and sing and talk with God. Just you and nature and God. Or in your room or wherever you may be. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 25, 26, a righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain in a corrupt spring. There is no refreshment from a carnal believer. And you and I are ease, so easy and so susceptible to being overdriven. We can have a lot of responsibilities, a lot of things with a demand on our life. But if I don't learn to come ye yourselves apart in a desert place, I'm going to listen to one of those wrong voices and I'm going to have some unintended consequences at an unintended destination in my life that I don't want to be. So your decision to obey the call to come is a choice of your will. You're either listening to His call to come to Him, or you're listening to the call of the world for riches and power, for feelings, for fear, for sexual senses, for friendship, for justice, for you name it. The list goes on. I want you to look with me at John chapter 7, verse 37. And you might be thinking, Pastor, are you kidding me? Just spending time alone with God? Yeah, I am. You know, if you've never done it, you won't know the joy of doing it. But it is, it is truly refreshing. Sometimes it might take several hours. And you're just frustrated, and you're venting to God and you're saying God I'm I'm discouraged and God I can't go on God I'm mad about this and why aren't you helping me here I've been there I know what it's like to be that you're just frustrated about way things are going in your life God I need your help and you're just talking with him and you're reading of the Psalms. I find the Psalms are a great place to look for encouragement and other passages of Scripture. But look with me at verse 37 of John chapter 7. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, what does he say? Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of what? Living water. 
peace, refreshment, and satisfaction of thirst. Where other things in life won't satisfy like being in the presence of God. It's a sweet thing. When you meditate on God's Word, just you and God, maybe you have some Christian music you're listening to, you're reading your Bible, and you are just desiring that you would have a personal meeting with God. Look at me in another passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 10. I mean, there are places I've been in my life where I've been so low, so discouraged, so angry at God not doing things, so frustrated, just like, ah, this Christian life, it's impossible. Yeah, it is, in my own strength. He's saying, come apart and I'll give you rest. Because you can't get rest apart from me. In Mark chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but ye shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. If you leave the world's voices, you gain with Christ. If you remember, the disciples had left their careers for the Lord, were now following the world's idea, and they were not following the world's idea of rest, excuse me. They're tired. They had labored long. Some of them were tax collector. One was tax collector. Several of them were fishermen. I mean, they knew hard work. You and I, many of us, know what hard work is. I mean, you come home at night, you plop down in your recliner or the couch or wherever you sit down, maybe even on your bed, and you collapse and I'm like, oh, it's a hard day. But you wake up the next day never thinking to put any time in God. And you come like that maybe after a week or two weeks or three weeks or after a period of time and you're just like, man, I am shot. I can't do anything. I can't think. I can't help anyone. I'm empty. And you are. Because you haven't come apart to rest. To just enjoy the very presence of God. John 21, 12, Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. Come and eat of my goodness. As we read in this passage here in Mark, the living water. You know what we as humans, you know what, as I was talking with someone today, is you know about getting older and it kind of hurts and the pain, someone here actually this morning, one of the guests that came, the visitors here this morning, and I said, man, getting older is kind of hurt, you know, wake up in the morning, your lower back hurts and these things hurt, your knees and, you know, he said, yeah, it's even, you know, this gentleman was older and he said, you know, and I, and I said, you know, you know what all that does? Is it shows us that we don't have all the strength we think we do. It shows us that we have weaknesses that we can't undo. It shows us some of our ineffectiveness or inability. We don't like that idea, but we're, you know, the inability to do things. You know what it also tells us? That I need Christ is that I can't earn my way to heaven. Because I'm entering into his courtroom, I'm entering into his presence, he says, listen, I'll do all the work for you, but you just need to put your faith and trust in me for salvation. 
I've done all the work. You're already condemned. You're already under the justice of the law. You're already bound by the law. You can't get out from underneath it because you've already broken laws, so you're under the condemnation already. You know, as I said multiple times before, if you stand before a judge, the judge says, you know, how do you plead for your crime? You might say, I'm innocent. But he's like, yeah, I've got like 50 crimes here on the rap sheet for you. Uh, I don't think you're innocent. <laughs> you're a pretty rude, crude dude. In simple faith, I say, okay, Lord, I, 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 I'm, I'm guilty. <laughs> Would you forgive me and be my Savior? You repent of your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you and be your Savior. Trusting in His death, burial, and resurrection on that cross exclusively to the, again, to the exclusion of all else, you put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And as a Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ is not against rest. I mean, He instituted a day of rest, day seven. He instituted rest. So in the midst of the busyness of life, the Lord Jesus Christ seeks to call His disciples aside to rest. The world calls us to rest, but the rest of the world, the relaxation, I'll say that, the relaxation of the world ultimately leads to bondage. It will not lead to a peace and rest of soul and spirit that only God can. Final quote, and I will be done. We'll come to invitation. It is not work alone that tires the body. Responsibility and the weight of it create pressure and tax one's energy. Just the presence of a demanding crowd is a reminder that one is responsible to work, and we are responsible to work. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You know what you got to do? You got to be working, and you got to, you know, and working produces heavy laden. It produces burdens. And that's when he says, come to me and I'll give you the rest you want and you need. So as I ask you this evening, culture or Christ, how do you find your way in a distracted environment? Where do you find your rest? And I'm not talking just pillow your head at night. That may help your body, but over time, your spirit and soul and your emotions will get tired. When was the last time, if you know for sure that you're a Christian, when was the last time you just said, you know what, I'm tired. I just need some time with God. I just want to spend some time. I need Him to encourage my heart because I'm discouraged and nothing can encourage me. I just need Him. If I could have Miss Pat come forward, and we'll have a time of invitation this evening. I really want to encourage you. Where do you find your rest for life? How do you find your rest? You will not ever get the rest and the peace of mind that you can have apart from coming to Christ. It's a choice that you make. A lot of other things are going to bid you to go elsewhere, to do something else, to distract you. But my friend, if you make the choice of your will, I'm going to just come. Kind of like a student with homework. And the friends are saying, let's go play ball outside. Let's go play hockey. No, I need to do my homework. No, you can do your homework later on. You know, sometimes after a while of listening to your friends, you're like, ah, I'm not doing so well in my grades because I've been listening. The wrong friends. It's exactly the same in the Christian life.
We listen to the wrong sources. And we deprive ourselves of the rest that God wants to give. As the music plays this evening, uh, the first question I want to ask you is, do you have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever been born again? You've repented of your sins. Repentance is a change of mind. You agree with God of your condition. You accept the penalty for your sins. And in simple faith, you trust Jesus to forgive you and be your Savior. And as a Christian, we must stop being distracted and learn how to come apart and rest. However, the message may have spoken to you this evening as you're praying and talking to the Lord there in your seat, I'd encourage you learn and if you're interested you have more questions on it feel free to ask do I have all the answers no (laughs) but I can guide you to the scriptures to help find some rest this world will make you mad frustrated irritated worrisome my friend when you ever come into the presence of God you can have joy and rest and I trust that would be the position of your heart as we move forward as the music will come to a close here shortly we'll conclude in prayer, but I just trust, however God may have spoken to your heart this evening, uh, that you would not let go of the thought and the need to just get alone with God and find the rest that you're so longing for. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful God, though we fail you, and Lord, though we get distracted by so many different sources, Lord, the invitation to come is still open. Lord, though we can make huge mistakes, God, your hand is still outstretched for come. God, you want to give us rest. You long for rest for us. That's a promise you want to give to us, but Lord, because we try to do it our own way, Father, we don't receive that rest. And so, Father, I pray that as we go out into our our week ahead, that, Lord, we would just learn how to rest. Father, I love you, and I thank you for your marvelous grace. God, may we be your ambassadors to a world that needs to know Jesus Christ and needs to know true rest. I love you and thank you in Jesus' precious name.